Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everything's coming up to t- Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the zone, simple dedication to the team when you're in the know. T- t- Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the soul, lifting all the positivity for the wolves to grow. So, where we going from here, man? We listen week to week to get the clearest to clear. Recaps, got that. South Cap, got that. Team ads, got that. So tell me what they do not have, huh? Foolish question to ask, but I don't mean to go brag. But boy, they got all the stats, and they could go all the way back from KG to Zerbiak. And all I'm saying is that the cast the one stop shop for my timber wolves. Timber wolves. Ain't a thing falling, everything's coming up. Timber wolves. Timber wolves. Falling from the autumn, ain't nobody gonna stop him. It's the timber wolves. Timber wolves. Phonies, you can spot them, they the sheep under their clothes. Timber wolves. Timber wolves. Talk a lot about him, I don't really, really know. Let's go. Welcome in to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined as always by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? Doing good. You know, we're winning. Right? It might not be against the, against the best teams, but at least we are winning, and we're winning convincingly. And we'll talk about that in a second. And Jared, back from Clearwater, Florida, how are we doing? Doing wonderful. I had I had fun on vacation. I, I even kind of miss you guys. I think I popped in on the live stream you guys had when yeah, I was yeah. down there. Um, but yeah, happy to be back. The Wolves are winning. Um, I might backtrack to a few games that you guys talked about um, sure. previously, just because I have some opinions on a couple of them. But uh, yeah, happy to be back and hanging out with the guys on a Tuesday. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So unless you've been living under a rock, you probably know that the Timberwolves have won four in a row after dropping six straight. So what, or I guess they wasn't completely six straight. They had that Laker win in there, but essentially things are, everything's coming up Timberwolves, I guess you could say right now. So let, let's talk about this. What has changed the most? Like what, what are we seeing in these games that we haven't been seeing uh, in the past games? And we'll start with you, Chris. What do you, what do you think? Well, one thing that I've seen that I actually has, has said before that I really want to see is we're using cat a little different. Um, he seems to be like, we're getting him on the move more there. There hasn't been these last four games. We haven't done so much of the, Hey, just post up the big guy and let him back it down. We did a little bit last game, but um, that was good to see. I mean, that's not his game. I think, I think mm-hmm. the sooner, the Timberwolves and Carl Anthony Towns realize that he's not a back to the basket player. Um, we'll be good. Um, so that's been big. And, um, you know, just everyone's, everyone's contributing more. Like um, we mentioned way, way earlier in the year that, you know, we kind of figured what we'd get from our big three, but the team's only going to go as far as the next, like, four or five guys will go like Jaden's going to have to hit some shots and Vanderbilt's going to have to give us something. And, you know, 
every Beasley is going to have to be hot again. So some of that's taken back in the right direction. So just that and just, you know, we, we talked about flow on offense and flow is what um, Chris Finch always said he has. He doesn't run many plays and it seems like we're moving the ball better and we're mm-hmm. sharing it better and our big three are less greedy. So we'll see if that continues. Yeah, and I, I was looking – I to be honest, I missed the game last night. I was hanging out with a friend, but I was looking at stats, and uh, D'Angelo Russell had like six or seven assists in the first half. So, yeah. I mean, you would definitely see him out distributing the ball. If he can be a multi-tooled player, like just not – I mean, yes, a scorer, yes, a shooter, but if he if he can get other people involved as well, kind of what where Ricky Rubio used to do, but be the thousand times better shooter than Ricky Rubio is – I mean, that's a major win. Uh, Jared, what have you seen on this team different? Uh, what, what, what's been the difference for this team? Um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing for me is we've played really well defensively in a lot of our wins. And in a lot of our losses, we've played really poorly defensively. So I think that that was kind of like my biggest takeaway from the, the recent games that I've caught. But, like, this team seems to go after every single loose ball. I watched the Pelicans game last night from start to finish. And like, I look at uh, like looking back at it, I I'm like, well, we didn't shoot all that well. Uh, I think Dilo was three for 16 from the field Ant didn't shoot very well. And cat had a decent game, you know, which like looking back at it, you know, it's like they won this game on the defensive end in a way, because they only shot 41%, which is still uh, below the league median, uh, which I think is around 40, 47% or so. But uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, when, when talking about shooting. But I think the biggest thing is, is people are moving around uh, and firing off the ball defensively. And I think that's something that I like to see because this team is a live and die uh, team kind of by like the three ball and kind of by like how they're shooting. They're super streaky on the offensive end, in my opinion, although they've kind of graded out super efficiently, but um, they, they also have been shooting uh, fairly poor so far yet. So, right. Chris, you got something? Go ahead. Yeah. We talked about this, I think even before the season where, um, so like when Ricky Rubio was here, same as I think I mentioned before, Jason Williams, when he was in Sacramento, the vibe of passing became, well, it didn't as much here, but you know, like Jason Williams, for example, the passing became contagious and everyone was passing. Everyone was thrown behind the backs. And we mentioned that with Vando that he brings that, like, I got to get on the floor because this dude is, I mean, I've seen him on the floor six times already today. I got to at least do it once. Well, now you've got Vanderbilt and and Beverly starting, which was probably the biggest change. Um, those two guys starting bring that intensity up mm-hmm. where um, everyone is trying to match that because you don't want to look terrible next to a guy that's working harder than you. You know, like if if you're this guy making 20 million or the number one pick and some mm-hmm. journeyman point guard or some, you know, undrafted type uh, big man is out hustling you often, there's a pride factor that comes in and that all, that just wears off, you know, and Mm -hmm. there was somebody was interviewing, I forget who it was, they were talking about defense and they said, well, when you see guys like Vanderbilt and uh, I think it was Kat, Vanderbilt and Beasley or, or Beverly, you know, those two guys 
have their assignment. So you don't even have to worry about that. Like they've got that locked down. Mm -hmm. So it just takes a little more stress off our defense, knowing we have those two guys out there. And, um, you know, we're just playing so much better as a unit defensively. I think seventh in the NBA right now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's huge. I mean, it's everything that we've wanted to be is have a decent defensive team. Now we just need to have a decent offensive team. Right. And that and I think a lot of people weren't expecting people to even be saying that, right? Like that we need to be a decent offensive team. We thought that would just come. Uh, talking on the, yeah. What talking on the offensive side, um, I and this is not a huge jump, but just seeing like something out of him, I think now maybe not last night, he didn't have a great game against the Pelicans, but in small minutes, particularly the Grizzlies and Spurs game. We're finally starting to see a little what Gerson Rosas, rest in peace, um, uh, but um, what what he saw out of Torian Prince. Because we're finally starting, he's starting to hit a couple shots. He's starting to get a little more aggressive. Uh, I know he got thrown out of that one game, but, and, and actually. That was a video, bad call. That was, um, that, that was a bad call, but um, <laughs> we're finally starting to see something. And I think the bench production is big what's going into this. Seeing Malik Beasley. Uh, knocking down a few, seeing Torian Prince getting it done. Nas Reed, I mean, the best contract in the entire NBA. Like, just it, it, we're starting to. I, I think what what has happened a lot is we'll build up a lead with the starters, then we put the second string in, and then lose it a little bit, and it'll start to go the wrong way. So, also, I, I love the dynamic. In I feel like the Timberwolves haven't had this in a while. They always have a scorer on the court, whether it be Ant, whether it be Cat, uh, or whether it be uh, D'Lo. There's always someone on the court, so we don't see um, lineups where, like, your best scorer is, like, Sebastian Telfair or something like that. <laughs> right. Bringing it back from the day. But... Bringing back some dark days there with the Sebastian right. Telfair. <laughs> right. That's super important, though. I mean, that's what Finch has been doing. At about the six-minute mark, he subs out um, D- D-Lo. He subs out D'Lo. And then brings him back in um, with that second unit to run that second unit. And he has looked great that way. Um, Mm -hmm. He hasn't been playing that great, like, statistically. But just the things that he does, he's just such a smart player. He's a a basketball IQ guy. um, And it just kind of holds – he's like the glue that holds everything together on that second unit. Um, Without him – especially now that we're starting Beasley or Beverly, not like Beverly is um, that great of a point guard, but we don't have, we don't have anyone that can run the off. Like if we had a McConnell or something like that, mm-hmm. we would be, I think we'd be quite a bit better, but we, we need, we need him on that second unit or else it's just chaos. Right. No, I, I totally agree. Um, one guy that could bring him in to play point guard is doing pretty well with the Iowa, uh, Iowa Wolves, man by the name of uh, McKinley Wright. He's like, but, he's like fourth in the G League in scoring. He's averaging like 28 points a game and shooting like 60% from three or something like that over right. five games or something, like a decent clip. There's a guy on this podcast that kind of touted McKinley Wright um, pretty much since our preseason preview podcast, and and he's on the left, I think. Well, that's how, that's how I see it anyways. Uh, that's Gabe's guy. Well, okay, here's the thing. Do I think that McKinley Wright is going to come in and set the world on fire? No, I don't. Because watching him in the preseason, he got it, he got trapped a couple of times. He turned the ball over. He made some rookie mistakes. But I just feel like I just feel like 
in a pinch if we needed. Because, like, I, I mean, it kind of shows, right? Like how little we play J Mac. I mean, we 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 put him in maybe five minutes a game at this point. Maybe it's not very good. Exactly. <laughs> right, and, and if so, if we can have a minor, just minor for a guy that maybe plays ten minutes over him, like, and we get like a McKinley right in there, and he can he can be decent at least for five minutes, five ten minutes a game. That's all we need him for. That's really all we will. need. Barring an injury, barring an injury, of course. I bet I we will. I mean, I, I could see him get a couple more games down there, maybe 10, 15 games under his belt, and then give it a shot. Right. And right. I'm not saying rush him up here. Like, I don't want to stint his development at all. I'm just saying if we can get a better J Mac for, for yeah. like 10, five, 10 minutes, five, seven, 10 minutes a game, like, that's kind of what we need. Uh, do we want to field a question from, uh, from sure. the, all right, we got one here. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll go Jason Aguirre. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll go first on Jason's question. Do we love Beverly? Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the offseason, how we thought that um, um, that that he was going to bring kind of like a leadership role, and, and he's kind of brought that. And he's also like super good defensively, which is what a lot of this team needed um, to get a lot better. Um, so, I mean, we, we like Beverly. Uh, he, he brings toughness, like you said, um, which is kind of key to me because like, I kind of want to reiterate, reiterate back to that Suns game because it was the game that made me almost throw my laptop into the <laughs> into the door because I was so mad watching that game and I know Gabe was there so I was there <laughs> uh, uh, like so so we reiterate back to that Suns game. Um, there, I am a guy that never complains about the referees. Like never. Um, I'm a player. I was a coach. You know, I I just was raised not to complain about the referees. It's kind of something that you grow into. Uh, doing those type of things and that game j- drove me absolutely insane um and then we picked up two cheap technical fouls um and we were still there in the end of the game beverly had a chance uh at the free throw line to tie that game and then he missed a free throw and just pretty much everything that could go wrong in the final minutes kind of did go wrong um but we were right there with a team in the nba right now that is on a streak of 13 wins uh that is that, the phoenix Suns. That's why this video is called the second hottest team in the NBA. Because I knew what you were getting at there with that, yeah. but yeah. So I was super, I was super frustrated watching that game. Um, it just felt like everything didn't go our way. Uh, there was a there was a blatant travel call on Chris Paul that was missed that that really got me heated, <laughs> and you know I was kind of like screaming at my laptop as I was watching the game, but. Uh, that game really got me heated. And then the game before that, I just kind of want to reiterate, not that we're the negativity podcast, but um, the Clippers game I was extremely frustrated with because I, I kind of want to talk about how it seems like when the, the Timberwolves get into a defensive set where teams go four out with one giant big being like Zubach or Hartenstein for the Clippers Man, I, I mean, they shot extremely well. I think they shot like 64%, but we looked lost on defense. And another thing that happened in that game that I know Chris wants to talk about, because uh, I saw it, I don't I don't know if you guys remember, but we seen Cat and Nas on the floor at the same time, and it kind of reiterated why that's not happening. I feel like uh, we got beat a lot off dribble drives, and uh, yeah, that, that game was ugly. I was... 
watching that game thinking, man, this is probably one of the worst games I've watched in years. And the Clippers just seem to always roast us no matter what. But I'm interested to see if Chris thinks that was more of the Clippers just being absolutely on fire that night or if that was a subject to trying to play Nas on the, at the four. Well, I'll go back to the uh, Jason's question a little bit. Um, about Beverly, you know, he's, a, he's, he's what we need. You know, he's what we needed. Um, listening to some of the players in their um, interviews after games, they've talked about him as he demanded better defense. He demands it every day when he comes in. It's not like, you know, he wants it or he's talking about it like it's a demand. And and whatever he's doing to do that, people are responding to it. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Like it didn't work with Jimmy Butler when he was here. He dem- he supposedly tried to have that same vibe, and it didn't work. We were still twenty third in the NBA in defense that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Beverly comes in, and he he has that attitude, you know, and he's earned it. He's earned it through hard work, which is you know something that guys can look up to. Um, he's not a great player. I mean, he's good, but I mean, championship teams should probably have, you know, a better two guard than, than Beverly, but for what we have, he's a perfect fit. So Jason, uh, yeah, his toughness is obvious. Um, his grit is obvious, but what I think he brings more than even his defensive grit is a ball handler that can take uh D'Lo a little bit off the ball. And I saw recently in a plus minus um, our big three plus Beverly were like 127 points for a hundred possessions. And our big three minus Beverly were like 98 points. So, I mean, it's a staggering difference how much better he makes our offense. Um, Obviously the defense he impacts too, but that was something that I was surprised at. So moving him into the starting lineup, Jason, I think was probably the best move that, uh, Finch has done so far this year. Uh, so I have an interesting question about that because Chris, you were mentioning how we tried like getting all defensive minded or or demanding defense from Butler. Do you think it's do you think like guys like maybe Towns, like specifically Towns, is responding to a guy like Beverly better because he's um because he's not like the star? Like Jimmy Butler was like the star demanding defense and stuff like that. Do you think that it's coming from someone who's not the star and not like taking away like shots from the big three? Um, I think it helps. Yeah. I think it helps. I mean, when some, when you're the, when you're the face of the franchise and you're 23 years old and you're just trying to establish your brand, who you are, you know, build this team up. This is your team. You're building on your back. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they bring in this, flamboyant, whatever you want to call him, Jimmy Butler, and he comes in acting like he's King Dingling. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not a good vibe for that young player, you know, and it kind of puts him in check. And and I don't think it was a good, I don't think it worked. I mean, obviously it didn't work, but I don't think the, Mm -hmm. um, the mode that Butler used worked and he might've Butler might've himself learned from that when he went down to Miami. I'm not sure, but um, I hope for him. I think that that was something that definitely, that the change in Beverly being just just a guy, <coughs> just a guy putting in work, um, opposed to a guy trying to put up twenty shots, I think is big. Mm-hmm. Jared, anything to add on that? 
Did we lose Jared? I can't hear him. Jared, I I'm, think we lost you. I, no, I'm, I was oh, muted. Back. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, not a whole lot to add on to that. I, I think Chris basically got most of the talking points out, out of that subject. Um, yeah, you know, he's just a, he's just a guy that like we talked about this in the preseason preview show, uh, and I'm gonna kind of always radiate back to that because I feel like you know that was kind of like how we expected to see this team, and we expected to see the new players gel, and we talked about you know what, what we expected from our guys. This is what we expected from Beverly. We expected him to be a leader, a hard-nosed, gritty defensive guy that got in our young guys' ears. So, like, we're still one of the youngest teams in the entire NBA. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that you need when you're looking at Patrick Beverly. Um, I want to make a little quick kind of transition here. Um, I know we had on the outline uh, one of the players that, that you thought um, was key to our success. So I'm going to kind of – kind of trying to transition us into that question sure. that we had on the outline. Um, I think my biggest thing for the the reasons to our key to our success is obviously Vando. Vando's played extremely good. But more importantly is almost every single game that we've been in, Vando plus J-Mac have both been in foul trouble. And that's kind of going away. Like they're still battling a little bit, but I think they're finding enough balance to where they can um they can kind of balance out their their roster construction or their their lineup on the floor um to kind of beat around the bush on that um but i also think that um j max playing a lot better lately um i it's one guy that i was really really hard on at the beginning of the season um kind of standing in the corner a lot but he's moving a lot more and, and he's playing better bass putting the ball in the hoop and I think the way well, that we're mixing, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, what I think Gabe what was it? Gabe said that yeah, we're undefeated with headband, uh, head, headband uh, McDaniel's was this, There's too many J Max on this team. <laughs> no, but, no, uh, wait, here's here's a question on top of that. Do you think that particularly the bench has been better for him? Like not in a starting role, like coming off the bench and maybe playing some defense and hitting a three here and there. Do you think maybe that's taking some pressure off of him? Any thoughts on that or? I do. Um, I think it's, I think it's been a lot better. Like he's a young player. Um, you got to remember that, you know, he's, he's still young. Uh, he got into this big role as being our mysterious foreman that we, we didn't have a foreman and he was kind of going to be the guy to, sh to shoulder the load. And then it ended up being Vando and it kind of was like, I think in a way, like as a basketball player, like when you're playing all the time and you're just frustrated and nothing's going right, like moving to the bench can kind of almost be like a sigh of relief, like knowing that you don't have that pressure and you can just play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, he never really earned it. He never really earned a starting spot. So hopefully this will bring that to him. But I mean, like I said in the beginning of the year, I've still got a lot of questions about him. Like we were – proclaiming him in the ring of honor, you know, after one game, after one season, like he's going to be the next thing. And I, you know, I just don't know if he has it in his chest, you know, like, I don't know if he has it. He's a heck of a defender, but he's going to have to produce more offensively um, or else he's just going to be a role player, which is fine. A good defensive long guy who you can put on their best wings. I mean, they say every wing, comments at least or almost every team we play i think uh uh finch said somebody comes up to him and is like hey 
that dude can really defend. I know Chris Paul did, he said, and he said some of those other big-time players are like, hey, this guy can defend. So, I mean, he just might be a five-year development kind of thing, and he might really hit his stride four or five years down the road. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he's playing better. He's hitting his shots. I mean, he was shooting like 12% from three for the first, you know, five, six games. So I think he's, you know, he had a couple the other night and confident. I mean, the ball mm-hmm. swings and he's firing right away. So that's all I care about right now is seeing these guys fire and not, you know, not Jeff Teague hesitate before he shoots it kind of thing. <laughs> oh, it takes me back. It takes me back. Um, yeah. I know Timothy Hunt isn't in the chat, but if he was in the chat, he'd have something to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's let, let's let's go here. Um, so some. Some that I, I kind of want to talk about, uh, I know you put it in the outline, uh, Chris. Uh, should there be a pecking order between Cat, uh, Edwards, and D'Lo? Like, you kind of explain that question a little bit. What do you, what do you, what do you mean, uh, Chris, just so we kind of understand it? Uh, just offensively. Um, you know, like, do we, do we want to work through Cat? Do we want to, oh, okay. you know, have D'Lo play more off the ball and let Ant attack and play off that? Do we want D'Lo to be the main facilitator? Um, you know, I'm just wondering if there's what you guys' opinion on that is, or if there's like a fourth option that, you know, some magical fourth option that's super cool I don't even know about. Well, go ahead, Jared. I was going to say, uh, you go first if you want, Gabe, but I'll answer this question. Um, I personally, and you guys know that I am probably one of the biggest D'Lo supporters that you'll ever meet in the entire world. Like, D'Lo's my guy. Um, so do I think the pecking order should start with him? I mean, probably not. I think he's the third best player of the three, but I, I've also kind of, I don't, I know if you guys seen this on true fans, uh, our, our Facebook page of Minnesota true fans, if you're looking for a good Timberwolves, uh, page, that's one of the best. But, um, I, I talked about D'Lo and when he scores more than 18 points a game, um, we seem to, and when it's under that, we seem to lose a lot now yesterday i think was a bad example because i don't think he scored a whole ton but uh he's one of those guys that's just a streaky streaky player so if we can get him going early um i think that makes a big difference for this team um we really haven't seen a game where like all three of our players are our top three what all-stars but they maybe not might not all be all-stars come all-star break time but um all-star talent yeah, players. I mean they're they're right in the they're right in that in that realm. But I think that if D'Lo starts hot, the game just seems to make so much of a difference. Um, I was watching the Pelicans game yesterday, and I think we had like we had a pretty sizable lead, and then it got cut down to like I don't know, like four or three. And I remember commenting in our page, and I was like, "This game has me nervous just because of the way the game was kind of flowing, and he he didn't." He wasn't really hitting shots, and that's just like one player that's like our. I have said it since day one. He's our X factor. Um, I just think that he hasn't been playing all that well, but we're winning, so it's kind of like behind the table. It kind of mm-hmm. goes, you know, unnoticed. Um, and I kind of think that Ant has been kind of inefficient in a way as well. Um, but we've been, but we've been winning, so no one really notices it. But like when those three players get clicking on the same cylinder. We are going to win a lot of games if that mm-hmm. happens. So, what would you say for the question? For the pecking like I tell order, my wife, like I tell my wife when I ask her a question and she 
gives me two paragraphs and doesn't answer it. <laughs> so like if I was to if I was to ask the question and you were to answer it, what would you say? I would say that D'Lo and Ant uh, should be our first looks uh, offensively because I think Cat is more secured in his role, and those guys are both more streaky players. So, so my answer to this is: first of all, I hate when the offense runs through Cat because they just they get it to him in the high post. He does three or four power dribbles, and then he either either tries to draw a foul or he does one of those things over his head and he, or to the side or whatever he like the sling pass or whatever he does. Yeah, I I hate when it runs through him. Like, but I will say that's not saying he's a bad player. I'm saying that he's much more effective when he can get a pass and shoot a three or something or get it on the dive or get it get the ball on the move and then attack the basket. So my answer actually, as much as I love D'Lo, I think it's got to run through Ant. I think he's our future. I would honestly love to see um, before he takes a three uh, at the beginning of a game Ant attack the basket two or three times just to get that momentum going. I would love to see that happen. And maybe – Maybe not. Okay, so maybe not like, may, may, maybe not like before he shoots a three, but just early on in the game and attacking the basket. I love when Ant's in attack mode. And like, like we were, like we were saying, like we were saying last year, Ant wasn't getting any calls or anything, or he wasn't finishing at the basket. He's starting to finish at the basket a little bit. Like he, he's better. starting to get some touch around the basket. So that that's my answer is I, I think it needs to run through. And Chris, what's what's the right answer though? <laughs> no, I don't have a right answer. That was strictly okay. just a, just a question. Um, you know, I really wish that D'Lo um, embraced the playmaking role um, 100%. I wish that he was – I wish that he um, was – I don't know if his ego is can, but I wish he would have watched when we were successful with Ricky Rubio playing well, maybe not successful, but playing well last year with Rubio, how he ran the game. Because I think he can still get 15 shots up a game in the rhythm of the game. The mm -hmm. problem I have with D'Lo is his off rhythm shots, which are 80% of his shots, you know, is – you know, one on three, jacking up a three pointer or early in the shot clock. This like this, like, I don't know what the reverse of a fadeaway is, but that's what he does on some of those threes. He's like falling into the shot, yeah. jacking up like a, like a 10 foot behind the three point line kind of shot. Um, if he could just eliminate these, I think I'm Steph Curry or Trey young kind of bombs and just played in the in the rhythm of the game. That's what I think really turned us this season is there was I forget which game it was, but there's was a game where Delo hit four or five, there's maybe three or four threes, and there were standstill threes where a guy made a play, kicked it to him, and he was standing there and just filled it up. And mm -hmm. right now he's shooting 32% from three. His career average is 36. Um Last year he was 39. If we can get – I mean, we're two wins out of like the fifth seed or the fourth seed in the West right, right now. And we've had – those wins have happened. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, those wins, we already, we already, you know, knocked away those wins. They were – we already had them and we gave them up. So he needs to play better. But like he did last game, 
if he can if he can pass the ball and be creative with it and give other people opportunities, I'm fine. The problem is in the past, like last night when he was like one for 10 from three or something like that in the past, he would shoot terribly. And that was all he as all he had to offer. So Mm -hmm. between his, his tick up in defense and hopefully his tick up in play creation, I hope he's starting to realize that he is, Maybe the first option to start the play, but maybe the third option to take the shot. Right. Oh, and something that I wanted to mention, I was thinking about this. Uh, it's not really on topic of this, but I wanted to bring it up. It's something that that I found interesting is that the Timberwolves, particularly, let, let's take the last two games, right? The, the last two games. So what, what happened the last time they played New Orleans? They blew a lead in the fourth quarter. What happened the last time they... They, they played Memphis. They blew a lead in the fourth quarter and overtime, but Cat made a BS shot. Let, let's be honest. As cool as it was, that was a BS yeah. shot. How about the fact that the T-Wolves, they came out, um, Memphis at home, uh, Pelicans on the road, and just absolutely stomped on them. Like, we're not going to yeah. mess around this time. We're not going to mess around. We're not going to blow a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter. No, we are just going to, first of all, beat um, the – the uh, the largest margin of victory in the NBA this season. They come out and stomp on stomp on that Memphis team who didn't have Dylan Brooks, who kills us. But I mean, I don't think Dylan Brooks is making them win that game, particularly when Desmond Bain is doing what he's doing. But um, we and then and then we come up then we come out the next night against a team that we blew a lead at home. I know because I was at the game. Uh, uh, um, we blew a lead at home against the Pelicans and we stomp on them. As well, that's what the Wolves need to do. When we play these teams where we either blow a big lead or know that we can beat them, we need to come out and just stomp on their necks. And that's what we've been. That's what we did the last two games. And you could say San Antonio, but that wasn't really a revenge game. But I don't know. I think Beverly. I think Beverly is helping with that. Right. I think Beverly being with the starters, Beverly being with that main unit, I think is helping with that to just kind of balance the energy just kind of balance the ebbs and flows of the game to to be the vet that's like yeah there's ups and downs but you can't let the downs be a complete pitfall you know mm-hmm. you you know they'll it's a it's a game of runs but you just can't let it be a 30 point run kind of thing right and i, I think i think what's important when like we're talking about blowing leads is our rotations have changed i noticed last night um we kept our starters in there pretty late. Um, we had D'Lo on the floor. We had Ant on the floor. We had, Ken. you know, we're not like you said, Gabe. We're not screwing around anymore. Like I feel like that's one thing that the NBA does that pisses me off so much is like, oh, a team gets up by twenty and then they put in, you know, with ten minutes in the fourth quarter, they put in their reserves and they blow the lead. And right. and I feel like like Finch is kind of catching on. Like you know, a win is worth more than the risk of a player getting hurt. Um, right. In a way, uh, obviously, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but you want to win games instead of blow them. You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a playoff team. Right. It doesn't matter if you're ten and twenty, and and then a guy gets hurt. Like you have to at least be in the conversation before something like that happens. And I feel like the NBA is starting to catch on to that a little bit more, uh, letting their their star players roll a bit more, with, even right. with big leads, which I think is a big I mean, talking point. Tom Thibodeau has been saying that for years. <laughs> but, if there's one thing he was right about, it was that. <laughs> actually, to be fair, uh, just a little side note, 
I think Tibbs is a great coach, to be honest with you. He might not be the most likable guy I like to get along with or whatever, but I honestly think that Tibbs – I think there's a reason he's won Coach of the Year two times. Um, but that's either here or there. And I, I – I, when I'm not rooting for the Wolves, I honestly root for the Knicks. I love the Knicks, but that's either here or there. But uh, I hate so, – I, I was just going to say, I, I hate Tibbs, but I love how he runs the team. Like like we, we talked about this – it, on a on a previous show, your star players are the people that you want to decide the game. You don't want Alec Burks or you know Josh Okogie to be trying and be the difference maker. You want your or, stars out there when the game matters. Or even or even like I don't know if you want even Malik Beasley taking the game winning shot. Like, <laughs> nothing of that. Like I don't. I I definitely want one of the big three take, taking the big big shot. But uh, so we we mentioned it, um, Chris. I think you said in there. Expect, particularly when you're going to be a playoff team. So let let's do a reassessment. So obviously we were we were down in the dumps last podcast. We had just lost a bunch of games. Uh, things weren't looking, but a four game winning streak now. Uh, now not necessarily the best caliber of teams. I guess the one outlier that we beat was uh, Memphis, but San Antonio is not going anywhere. Uh, New Orleans isn't going anywhere. And then who do we win, beat the first game? I'm trying. Who was the first of four? Does anybody remember? Oh. Some roadkill that we just smashed, man. Spurs? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, uh, let's see. It was – let's see. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We won four in a row. So, do we still see this team as a playoff team? Like, are we a playoff team? Are we a playing team? Where well, like, where, where should we be looking? Right now we're the 10 seed, but obviously things can change. I mean, heck, the Lakers are in a uh, – Kings. In, King, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who should be better? They're in a tailspin right now. I'm pretty. Did you hear Tristan Thompson's comments after after we beat them? Yeah, that was. They're, they're a mess right now. Which I but he seemed to forget that he's on a terrible team. Like he was talking like he was on a team that was like a has been to the playoffs five years in a row and they're just playing bad right now. No Tristan. Like he's still on the like he's still on the Celtics. Yeah, Tristan the the. <laughs> They, they're your team that you're on stinks. Although I like I like De'Aaron Fox though. I really Which like. Which is what's great Fox. about the NBA. Any right. single night you can turn it on and it can be two dog crap teams, and it's a great game to watch because there's great talent all throughout the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I agree. Halliburton's so, fun, but Buddy Heald can get hot, but they're just not. Harrison, that Harrison Barnes might be. Um, Turning around his career a little bit. He's playing pretty well lately. I mean, he played pretty well. Found the fountain of youth. Maybe, you know, got some of that Iowa corn he grew up on back out in California or something. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he, I remember he got that huge contract from, was that the Kings or did he get that from Golden State? Golden State. Yeah. He got that huge contract and everyone was like, what is going on? And then he found a home in Sacramento. And well, I mean, more power to him. I, I like Harrison Barnes. I think he's a decent player. I don't think he's worth what he got paid, but still. Win a, so, couple, win, a, win a couple championships, that'll happen, you know. That's true. That's a good point. So, Chris, I mean, is what like playoff what team? should we be? Is this a playoff team? Is this a playing team? Is this none of the above? I mean, so what should be our expectations? I would say, you know, it, it's it's hard because there's so much so much new stuff going on with the Timberwolves right now. Like, like I was saying earlier with, uh, with us being 23rd in Jimmy Butler's year. So like the last, every year of Carl Anthony Towns career, we were 
First year, we were 27th in defense. We are 26th. Jimmy Butler, we are 23rd. Then we are 24th, 21st, and 27th last year. Now we're 7th. So, like, is that sustainable? Like, are we sustainably the 7th best defensive team? I mean, if that's the case, I don't know. I mean, we're number one in turnovers, like, in, in forcing turnovers. We're number one in defensive um three balls for the other team. Like if that sort of stuff holds up, um, I have to believe that the offense is going to come around. I have to believe, I mean, Beasley is a 39%, 38% career three-point shooter. He's mm-hmm. shooting something like 30%, 31% right now. If that turns around, if D'Lo turns around to actually hitting shots, and you know, which, which I, those are the things that I think will turn around for sure. If the defense stays, even being the worst defensive rebounding team in the NBA, one of the best offensive teams, offensive rebounding, I would say we're, I would say we can be a real playoff team and not even a playoff play in. I think we could be eighth, seventh or eighth. I don't know what's a cutoff now. Is it seven for playing? Oh, 10. Six plays no, but 10. It's like, Six. But it's 10, 10, 9, and 8, or is it 10, 9, and 8, 7? Seven? 7 plays 10, so 6 okay, is the last. Okay, so I think, we'll be in the, I think we'll be in the play-in. I don't think we'll be, I don't think we'll be 6th or better, but I think we'll be, I think we can be in that play-in. I think that, like, like I'm going to just, you know, I hate to, agree with you all the time chris because you know it's not the funnest version of a podcast but yeah you kind of really hit the nail on the head like this team offensively is i think now 22nd in the nba uh, on team field goal shooting percentage um which i mean if we're top 15 like i said we're gonna win a lot of games if we're top 15 uh so i think like our defense is carrying us right now which is something i never thought i would say and we have three very, very talented basketball players on our team. And and this is nothing of a testament to Cat because I feel like Cat has played great. He had one game where he kind of poo-pooed and, and went kind of di- disappeared. But if Ant and D'Lo get the ball to go in the basket at a little bit, not even a ton of more of efficient rate, but just like a little bit, like maybe give me give me 3 to 5% for both of them, we're going to win a lot of games. Like, like our shots still, even on this streak, are still not dropping. I think we shot 41% uh, yesterday, and we blew out the Pelicans. It's We're a streaky team that's fun to watch. Like, if you haven't watched the Timberwolves game, if you're a random outsider that has not watched the Timberwolves game, sit down and watch the Timberwolves game because they're, they're, they're fun to watch. I'll tell you what, we, we might be in a lot of close games. We might do a lot of head-scratching things. We might blow twenty point leads and we might win by forty. Like we we just it, it kind of depends on the night, you know. Like there's either shots are dropping or they're not. Mm-hmm. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, you're talking about shooting. I mean, we're number one in the NBA in three pointer shot per game, which is you know per the new analytics is great. The problem is is we're I think we're twentieth or nineteenth. We're nineteenth in three point percentage. So that's below average. So we're shooting the most and we're below average in percentage. If we can even 
tick that up. Like you were saying, if we can tick that up to even average and shooting the most, that's probably nine points a game. I mean, that's maybe two or three, three pointers a game different. And that, that can be everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Personally, I think we're still a playing team. I, until I see otherwise, I just think the West is too tough, but that's just me. Uh, but so we wanted to talk uh, briefly and then we'll wrap up the show about the LeBron James, Isaiah Stewart kind of uh, dust up. Uh, Jared, what do you, what do you want to say about that or what? Go so, ahead. so I saw pretty much, I saw, I watched a lot of videos on YouTube. I didn't see it live. I kind of heard about it on sports center when I was half asleep. And then I kind of looked at it the next day and it it, I mean, it was a scuffle, you know, like scuffles happen in the NBA. You get two guys trying to battle on a free throw and LeBron's arm comes up, nicks him across the face. He's bleeding. I don't know if he's got long fingernails or what happened, uh, but all of a sudden he's bleeding and Stewart just goes irate, which is not acceptable. Like he deserved a fine. He deserved a suspension. LeBron probably did too. And they both got a suspension where I have a problem with though, is the fine. Um, Isaiah Stewart, was fined $950,000, which might sound like a lot to an average NBA player, but this guy I still believe is on a rookie contract. This is 30% of Isaiah Stewart's salary. He has a second-round player. Yeah, so he's he's fined over 30% of his NBA salary, which to put that in perspective is if LeBron were to be fined 30% of his salary it would be 12 million dollars so i mean i get that you don't mess with the king but like this was way too steep for me like this guy had a reason to be mad he acted a fool so he probably deserved a little bit more than well not a little bit more than he got but like he deserved a thing but this was over the top i mean anything over like 400k for me is is too much like this this guy ain't making you know 41 million like LeBron. So I feel like that's kind of a big deal because like, you know, people, people get lost in the thought, like, well, how would you feel if I took away 30% of your salary for acting a fool? I would be pissed off too. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but you also have to remember kind of like the NBA or kind of the NFL is like protect the shield. The NBA is very strong with that. Um, I mean, they had guys wearing suits for decades i think do they still have to wear suits i don't think so but no, i don't think so no but they had them wearing suits because they wanted to clean up the image um the malice in the palace happened and everybody went crazy about cleaning up the image i mean happened to, isaiah happened to be stewart, on the same two happened to be on the same team ironically <laughs> isaiah stewart ran over multiple players ran past and through police officers shoved guys around i mean this was like a 20 minute ordeal with this guy acting like a fool. And the NBA cannot have that for their brand. You can't have kids watching the game and watching this guy running around like an idiot because his eye got cut open, like because you got hit in the, hit in the face on a free throw when you were like grabbing and ripping on somebody's arm. Like, I mean, it was a, a normal box out kind of like, and, and yeah, LeBron hit him. Did he purposely try to punch him? I don't think so, but let's say he did. Like, it was like a back fist. It hit him in the eye right where it splits open easy. Like, come on, man. Like, there's been way worse fouls in the NBA nightly, you know, where guys get pushed from behind going for dunks or, you know, 
tripped up in awkward ways. Like this was super minor. And he acted like a child, to be honest. He acted mm-hmm. like an idiot. And I like Isaiah Stewart a lot. I think he's a really good ball player. But I'm surprised, truthfully, that he didn't get fined. Or did not the fine, I don't, whatever. I didn't even hear about that. But it is what it is, man. Don't act like that. Like, if that happened, you said at your work, if you lost 30%, if you did that at your work, you're not coming back the next day. You're losing 100%. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, it was, I thought he'd get a 10-game suspension, to be honest, with the way that he acted after it. Because you cannot, you cannot do that on the, on the national scene, like you're, 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 you're representing the brand of the NBA and we can't have people running around trying to fight people for 20 minutes, dude. That was ridiculous. What would have happened if he got to one of those Lakers guys? That's my question. Like, cause it, he it looked like he was ready to tee off, you know, I mean, it, sure. it, he was, I mean, pissed. a lot of guys look, you know, you, you work at a bar. I've worked at a bar for a long time. A lot of guys look like they're going to tee off until it's time to tee off. But <laughs> if he was, let's say that happened. Let's say he got to Deandre Jordan, who was standing there like a statue, letting him come. Let's say he got to Westbrook. What would have happened then? Full out brawl, dude, on national television. Come on, man. You can't have that. He's not you a know, small guy either. He's a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> well, the you thing know? is, if we've learned anything from the movie Semi-Pro, you're supposed to brawl during the commercials anyway. So. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, you wait. Particularly if it's nasty televised, you wait until the commercial hits and the camera guy's like, we're back, and then you sort everything out. I mean, it, it, was, it was a couple guys holding on and being drugged like Van Gundy away from something that we maybe haven't seen in the NBA for 40 years. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm fine with the fine. Um, I'm amazed he didn't get suspended longer. LeBron got one game. Most flagrant twos are one game, so I'm fine with that. To be honest, I would have been fine with zero games. I don't think it was that big of a deal. Um, but whatever. I mean, they'll be back. It's going to be an interesting game. And what, third, three games from now they play each other? Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you got LeBron or, or Stewart on your fantasy team, you might want to consider benching them because one of them's getting tossed again. I'll tell you that much. Quick. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they ain't messing around. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. That's what I, I – and I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but that's what I, I've always hated about baseball. Like the whole thing, like you throw at our guy, we throw at your guy. Like it's the whole thing. Right. Like we're going to – like it's just – it's stupid. Like just move on. Like, it's, it's just dumb. Anyway, so, yeah, we wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so, the Wolves' schedule, they – it gets a little more difficult. Uh, it's, it's – I believe uh, me and uh, Chris were talking before the show, uh, and I believe, like, until really the, basically the entire month of – what is it? Uh, December is pretty tough until we play Oklahoma City in Janu- early January. So. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I think everyone has a winning record except for the Pacers, who just beat the Bulls. So if that says anything, uh, but I think everyone, at least right now, and things could change until we play the play Oklahoma City on January fifth, um, has a winning record. So that's going to tell a lot about this team. But more in the immediate uh, future, what we got? We got the uh, Heat tomorrow. We have the best three-game stretch 
for viewing <laughs> for viewing that I think I've ever seen as a Timberwolves fan. Oh really? Okay. Now for the 76ers, isn't Bede gonna play? Because I saw he he is is he playing right now? Do we know? I saw, not, but I, I saw today that he was expected to be activated Saturday, which is I believe the day that we play them. Oh, shoot. So we could have Jimmy Butler in the heat tomorrow. Then on the 26th, so it's so it's Cat versus Butler, or Cat Timberwolves organization versus Butler. And then we <laughs> and you know, Bam and and Cat both went to Kentucky, so there might be some vibe in there. And then we've got the Hornets with LaMelo and and Anthony Edwards the next game. That's gonna be awesome. And then we've got the Sixers. So that's with Embiid and Cat, like those are three must-see TV kind of games. Um, mm-hmm. Man, if we can get two of those, I will be over the moon. Um, truthfully, if we get one, I'll be okay. But um, we can't get swept. That's what we're, that's what this stretch is. This next month is we just have to hold around five hundred through that stretch. If we can hold through five hundred through that through the month of December. Um, I think we're a playoff team. Well, like I, I don't, I don't want to like take a victory lap, but you know, there was a guy in our, our our Facebook group that was sending screenshots saying, "Hey, these next seven games are pretty easy. Let's put the pedal to the metal and start winning." And we started winning. You know, like you get some easy teams. If you're going to be a playoff team, you got to win these games. Um, and like you guys were saying, you know, schedule gets tougher. Hold your serve and wait till it gets easier. You know, like this yeah. team can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody as well. You know, like this is a streaky team. Mm-hmm. I do like that. We're figuring it out. It seems like my favorite thing that I've noticed about the Timberwolves, these last couple games is like, you're saying that we haven't had our big three all playing, all hitting at once. Um, I think one game we had them all in twenties, but um what I like is that we're winning without that. And it looks like guys aren't forcing it. Like Anthony Edwards, you know, was what six of six in the first quarter. And he ended up with 10 shots in that game, you know, or D'Lo last game was terrible. Um, and, and, you know, it's okay to not be the guy some night. And I think they're starting to, to feel that where it's team first and, and that's huge. That's really big. Absolutely. And so I think we'll put a pin on it there. This has been another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast episode. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us as always. Thank you. Let's get some fun wins these next couple games. Absolutely. And hopefully we can uh, break my streak tomorrow of uh, of uh, being winless at Wolves games because I will be in attendance for the Heat game. So let's If we don't. That's you ain't going no more. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> so I, I have this game and then the Hawks game, and then it's a no, dry you spell and spell. Nope. <laughs> no, you might not. Nope. All right, you guys want some tickets then? Ticketmaster's <laughs> right. open. <laughs> and uh, Jared, thanks so much for being here. Always a pleasure, man. I love I love our Tuesday night basketball hangout, um, talking wolves. It's a lot funner to be on when we're winning. I'll tell you that much. Like this was a it, fun one, you know for it sure. Was. It was. I will say. Um, uh, so I'm going with my sister tomorrow. She does seem to be, get pretty lucky. Uh, she does seem to go like, oh, so here we go. My sister was at the Minneapolis Miracle. So hopefully 
Hopefully, she'll bring some good juju in with her. So this has been the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves. That's right.